All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are continuing the study of Lesson 80, Psalms 105, 106. Kevin, we call this the Wisdom Book Series. Why? Because we're supposed to get wise. <laughs> Amen, Kevin. It's working already, I can tell. Obviously, just two days ago when we started off this week, we talked about, you know, the unknown writer possibly talking about, uh, like, in distress of Jerusalem not being rebuilt, but then having the hope that it is going to be rebuilt. And so it's like this roller coaster of emotions and talking to the Lord, complaining to the Lord. And what I love about what you're going to see here is I'd like to just to call it a new title. Nobody else calls it this, but I'd call it a historical psalm. Like really what you're doing is you're looking back at the Lord and you're saying, God, I can't believe I'm blown away. I'm super thankful for all that you've done. Many people would call it a Thanksgiving uh, psalm, a thankful psalm. And that's really what it is. And, and the, re- the reason is, is that because what you're going to see is that God is the God of the covenant. And in this, what you're going to see in Psalm 105 specifically is how faithful God is to his people. You know, Kevin, if the McElravies were to sit down and have a meal around the table and he started walking through how God was so faithful in the McElravey's life. What would be one or two points that you're like, yep, this is something I never want my kids to forget? For us, one was moving to North Dakota. That was a big leap. Moving to Texas. Just trusting how God shows up through those times. And so here's what what the writer did. He, He would take your moments and he would say, make sure everybody knows this in my family. And that's really what I love about the psalmist is he says, guys, look how God's been faithful, even to the people that we don't even know, but maybe to our grandparents, our great, great grandparents, to the patriarchs. God has been faithful then. And why is it important to talk about God's faithfulness? Because if he's been faithful back then, guess what? He's going to continue to do this. God is a God who is faithful to his people. All right, Rich, if uh, the good ones, they sit around a table and they say, this is how God has been faithful in the good one's life. What would you want your, your kids to know? One or two things that really stand out. Uh, that would be when we uh, first moved to Texas and then um, we found out Shelly was pregnant and we didn't have health insurance. Um, but then the Lord ended up providing that for us. So. so these are moments that even though we didn't have one thing, God showed up. All right, Jankowski family, if you're sitting down because your kids are a little bit younger, <laughs> hopefully you're not trying to corral them. No, we're trying to crown them. At least shouting as they're running around. What are you telling them about God's faithfulness in your life? I think we would say uh, with our oldest daughter, Maya, uh, being born 10 weeks early and just so many uncertainties right away of um, when is she going to be born because it wasn't uh, immediate. Uh, Susan was still pregnant for a week after her water broke and then she was born. And so to get through that time and then a month and a half in the NICU and just not knowing how it was going to turn out now. She's a happy, healthy nine-year-old. So, yeah, Amen. You know, I think if I was to ask my mother, Gloria, which many of you know, I think my mom would always say, you need to celebrate. Like, you need to celebrate what God is doing. Her classic line is, you put your party pants on. Like, you celebrate 
in that moment for any given reason. And the reality is, is I think that's what we all need to do. And there's a, there's a thought behind this psalm. Again, you know how this works. You take a look at the verses and you, you can maybe get some insight into this. But one theologian actually, actually thought maybe that this was written when the Ark of the Covenant was first brought into Jerusalem. And so as the, as the Ark is, as David is speaking into Asaph, he says, hey, by the way, the Ark is bring, being brought in. As it's being brought in, what are you going to do? You're going to reflect on everything that God's done to get us to this point. And that's what I love about the Psalms is that it keeps going back to God's faithfulness. Now, the one thing I'll say, there's a theme and it's a pretty obvious theme once you, once you're like, oh yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Is that, Kevin, when you look in verses one through two, there, there's a, a, a consistent theme that just says at the end of verse one, it says, well, let me just start it with verse one. Give thanks to Yahweh, call on his name and look what it says, proclaim his deeds among the peoples. So there's one layer. And then in verse two, it says, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about all his wonderful works. So what you're going to see as a theme constantly is, and this is how it works in God's faithfulness, is that we are to make known his deeds or his works. Whatever it is, just don't be afraid to have, tell your kids, tell your grandkids, like, let this thing be known. Make known his deeds. And what does it say? His wonderful works. And so what you're going to see in, in the first, uh, one, two, three, first four verses, okay, is the psalmist rejoicing in all that God did. And, and here's what he does. He gives these tell, these ten, uh, directions. Okay, one, one theologian called it an imperative. Ten directions to Israel, like, this is what I need you to do. So if you go back to verse one, okay, uh, and I just want to point them out. Okay, I'm not going to write them down, but I will point them out. Nah, I think this is important because I think this ties it in. First one he just says is this, give thanks to Yahweh. Ten of these, you guys, he does. How do you make known his deeds? Give thanks to, to Yahweh. Number two, what does he say? Call on his name. What you're going to see over and over again is that his, your focus is not on yourself. Your focus is on him. And again, how do you go through this anxiety? How do you go through this depression? How do you go through this loneliness? What we saw yesterday is you got your eyes off of yourself and you constantly are putting on how God, uh, on how his faithfulness in your life. Number three, what does he say? This is one we've already talked about. You are proclaiming his deeds. And I love this one and I'll shorten it just for time's sake. Proclaim his deeds among the peoples. You know what that says to me? You testify about God, not just into your, into your closet by yourself. You let everybody know God is a big God and this is how I've seen him in my life. And honestly, your big perspective of God might be different than somebody else's, but tell them. In fact, it's crazy this morning when, you know, you guys, when we had our Bible study, uh, with our guys and I, I pulled in with my van. I testified, you remember this a couple weeks ago, remember how we talked about God's provision? And one of them was how God provided a van for us on the national day of prayer. And it was funny, I said that on school, hey, this is how God provided. You know what's so cool is Mark Howard, he came up and he goes, hey, that's, that's the van you're talking about. And like, I hope and I pray that when he said that, you know what he sees? That was God. Like that was God, but it doesn't happen unless you testify about God's experiences and moving in your life. These are the wonders. These are the deeds that he's doing. Why would we be quiet? You know, every once in a while I get a little sheepish about like, yeah, the vehicle that I have, not my van, but my SUV. It came because we were praying. I don't know if you guys remember that story. You want to talk about a ridiculous story. I was praying in the morning because I was having a problem with my Montero Sport. And I remember Seth Adkins says, Kyle, let's just pray for a car. 
And I did. I said, well, let's pray for a, an SUV. And he said, what color do you want? Now you're like, okay, Kyle, now you're totally crossing the line. You're inserting a quarter into the Lord as a vending machine. That's not my perspective. We prayed for a car that God would give me an answer. I go to church that day. Literally an hour and a half later, a guy comes up to me and he says, out of the blue, hey, uh, my wife and I are praying. What do you guys need? How can I help you? And I was like, well, we're doing Revive Texas. And I was like, we need food, a lot of food for people. He goes, no, 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 for you personally. And I knew in my spirit what I had prayed for, Kevin. And I was like, I'm not going, I am not. I am not telling him that I just prayed for a, an SUV. And I said, you know, can I just tell you after church? Because I, I was like, God, I don't know how to handle this. Like, this is super awkward for me. So after church, he comes up to me, he says, hey, so what do you guys need? I said, I'm just going to tell you what I, what I prayed for. I said, I'm having a hard time with my vehicle. I put in a couple thousand dollars. We got 50 days. I'm going to put the most mileage on my car that I've ever put on in a, in a concentrated time because we're going all over the place. And I said, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to fix the car or if I'm supposed to get a new car. He goes, you need a new car? I go, yeah. He goes, okay, it's done. And I remember thinking, what? I just, I just prayed for this. And you can say, man, this sounds superficial. Man, this is so uh, materialistic. I'm just telling you it was a tangible need in my family's life. And two days later, they rolled up with the SUV. They get out of the car. I'll never forget this. He took the keys. I come out the front door and he just threw it at me. And I caught it and I was just like, wow. Why do I tell you this story? Because God provided a vehicle for me, for Revive Texas. And now this vehicle has, it's done incredible things for our family. Literally, I mean, I can't, how many Bibles and boxes did we carry and all that? I mean, God did it. It was the Lord. It wasn't for prosperity. It wasn't for, hey, let me get a new nicer car. It was God knew exactly what I needed. And you know what? And he did it. I think we can do this over and over and over with the Time Revive ministry. Not necessarily about vehicles, but about God showing up at the right time. And that's what I want to just say is give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Proclaim his days. Look what God is doing. And then it just continues to unfold. And then, Kevin, this is the one that gets you excited. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. And so here we go again. It just keeps going. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. And then it keeps going. And then number six, it affirms exactly what we're talking about, about our theme. Make known his deeds and his works. And what does it say? It says, tell about all his wonderful works. I remember when we were going to Flint, Michigan. And I remember sitting in our old office and we were sitting there and uh, one of the guys that was working for us at the time, he goes, hey, I got a friend on, my, on the phone named Drew. And uh, yeah, he just, uh, he was a concrete estimator. He doesn't have the job anymore. And you got anything for him to do? I was like, I don't, I don't know. Can he do any kind of videoing? He's like, hey, can you do any kind of videoing? He's like, well, I've never done that before. <laughs> and what do you know? Drew came and he's still with us. <laughs> but because of Drew taking that leap, uh, we started to do videos. Honestly, like this is the Lord showing up. This guy came out of nowhere. I'd say the same thing about every one of you guys. Rich, met him in Nashville. Uh, he felt sorry for me. Kevin, met him in North Dakota because he helped and did a ton for us in North Dakota, the Twin Cities. TJ, in North Dakota and on. You, you all have been a huge answer to prayer because God has brought folks to help walk with us on this journey. I'm telling you, that's God at work. And in verse 3, it says, honor his holy name. How do you guys think, just practically, how do we do that? Kevin, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? How do you do that? 
it's a high esteem. You just hold it. You know, when you hear the the Lord's name, you just it's like no other. So in your mind, honoring his holy name is something it, I'm fine with this, but it's something that you're cherishing. Okay, Rich, what would you say? For me, I would just it looks like being obedient to what he's asking me to do. Mm-hmm. That's how I can honor the Lord. That's good. So I'm going to add to Kevin's cherishing it. And then as a result, the way you can honor him is possibly live it out. That makes sense. I would, I would say that would absolutely make sense. And then it says in verse three, as it continues on, number eight, and very rarely, you guys, do we see this kind of a list in the book of Psalms. What I like about it is, is you can literally take each one and then expand on this throughout the Psalms. And I don't want to because I want to get to the historical part, but I do think this is a very unique list that we don't get to see often. It says, honor his, his holy name. And then the scripture says, let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. To me, this says, I'm going to put it in Kyle language. Don't get in the way of somebody else wanting to rejoice of what he's done. Like, let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Don't, don't quench the fact that they're excited. Don't quench the fact they're like, look, I am rejoicing. Don't be like, Kevin, put your hands down. Stop. It's interesting that they, it's tied with honor his holy name, too. Because I think a lot of times we think uh, honor and reverence looks a certain way and then we get in the way of those that are rejoicing and honoring through their rejoicing um excuse me you um you're being too loud right now in your rejoicing right i mean don't we do that i mean i'll be honest when we did revive indiana <laughs> let me just put it this way wherever leela Payne came with me Okay, let me just call it out like that. Wherever Leela came and I would preach, because Leela serves an intercessor, I am super thankful for Leela. But she'd bring her flags. Then she'd have her friend Pam and she'd bring her flags. And then if you throw in Heather Cook, you're like, okay. And so all three of these ladies have their flags, right? And so when I come into an environment that they're they're so respectful and they'll come up to me, they go, Kyle, where would you like us to do the flags? I'm like, I don't know this church. I'm not really sure where you can stand, (laughs) Right? And so your first thought is, is how can I honor the place that we're at? I think that's always uh, respectable. That's a way that you can honor, honor his holy name by being uh, respectful for that environment. But at the same time, isn't it crazy that we have to think like that, though? And I'm not knocking any of these congregations. I'm just telling you that that's, that's where we've gotten to. Is that just because I, I personally don't use flags, but we shouldn't be hindered by somebody else being like, praise the Lord. No, but I was thinking maybe that's something you can do, Kevin. We've gone from singing to dancing to flags. Adam Miller in Goshen, Indiana. I love that brother. He was the first guy that really brought forth the red flags. Do you remember that? Praise God, Adam, for your flags. So let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Don't get in the way. God, you're so good. Let them express themselves that way. And then the final two that you're going to see is, and this is, this is a really powerful one, search for the Lord and for his strength. Why do you think, Kevin? Okay, look, we've gone through all of these things, but nine and 10, let me just, I'll put in 10 as well. They're a little bit different approach. It's almost like they're separate. And then it says, seek his face always. Kevin, why, what makes these two different than the other eight you think? Uh, I think this is, the other three are kind of, or the rest of them have been looking back. Yeah. This one's going forward. Yeah. That's good. Like, okay, you can hang out in this posture, right? You can hang out in the posture of praising him and proclaiming his deeds. But at some point, you cannot just stay. This is really important. It's a great insight, Kevin. You can't just stay in the past. 
Like if we always said, man, you guys, God did something incredible in Ohio. Or man, God did something incredible in Indiana. But we always just stayed there and talked about the past cities. You'd never get to experience God's presence in your life as you move forward. And so this faithfulness of seeing God move in your life should actually, uh, let me just say, drive you to know more of him as you walk this out on a daily basis. You should search for the Lord and his strength. You need it and seek his face always, because guess what? Then you can relive those other eight things because you've gone forward with nine and ten. And like for me, like when I get to experience true freedom in the Lord, like when I get to experience when we're going in Florida, I remember I was with John Russell and Drew Gibbs, and I remember we were in two different vehicles, and we were driving around in, in Sarasota area, in, in Tampa, and uh, no, Sarasota, and there was a guy in a black jacket. I remember I was supposed to drive by, I was driving by and I saw him. And I remember the dialogue and, uh, of Drew and John, and somehow they had set this thing up where they knew, they knew I was going to stop somewhere. And I remember turning around, this guy is going to be late for work, right? And then he gets in my car and he just, he lost this. You remember this video, Rich? This guy just, he loses it. And the whole car ride, he just pours out his heart. Like, I want to see more of those encounters. I want to see more lives radically changed, but it doesn't happen unless I'm seeking the Lord, hearing from his voice so that I can allow more of these stories to continue to happen. More lives changing. If I'm only singing, I know this sounds bad, you guys, okay? And I'm staying in this posture of just constantly proclaiming his deeds. I wonder if we'll get to ever experience more for what he wants in our life. We cannot just stay in the posture of the past. We need to search for the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. So what the psalmist does after he kind of lays out the blueprint, which... (laughs) Never thought that we were going to stay here in four verses. What you're going to see is, is the psalmist then begins to describe proclaiming his deeds. You're going to see how the psalmist proclaims telling about his wonderful works. And that's the rest of the psalm. In fact, he says this, Remember their wonderful works in verse 5. He has done his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. We've talked about this. I think it's the craziest thing when the society in America, what are we doing? We're trying to strip away all of our past, aren't we? trying to take away historical moments and memories. And some would say, well, that wasn't the greatest. Yeah, but God used that to get us to this point. I think it's the silliest thing when you hear politicians are having an ongoing discussion about actually moving God's name out of a document or God's name out of a bill or God's name off of a building. No, no, you have to understand we're here because he's gotten us to this, this point. Please remember what he's done. And look at this, the judgments he has pronounced. And then he says in verse six, you offspring of Abraham, his servant, the seed of Abraham. Please remember these things. Jacob's descendants, his chosen ones. Man, he, you want to talk about an identity. He sets the tone. He sets the tone. Oh, by the way, you are a seed of, of, of Abraham. You're an offspring of Abraham. And oh, by the way, you're his chosen ones. So as a chosen one, you need to understand the journey that we're really going to take you on. And I'm going to do my best as I can to to fly through this because it goes from Abraham to Joseph in verses 7 through 25. Now, remember, he's saying, chosen ones, I need you to listen up. So in order to understand his chosen ones, he begins to tell them their path. And he says this in verse 7, he is the Lord, our God. His judgments govern the whole earth. He remembers the covenant forever. (laughs) Man, 
He doesn't forget what he promises. He remembers his covenant forever. The promise he ordained for a thousand generations. In other words, a generation typically back then would have been known for 40 years. So now you're saying basically for the rest of humanity, God is going to remember what he's promised. Like it is already a done deal. And here's the deal. The covenant he has made with Abraham. And then look what it says in verses 9 and 10. The covenant he made with Abraham, he swore to Isaac. And then in verse 10, it keeps going. And then he confirmed to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. So this is that that mentality of covenant with Abraham will not stop. There's a couple of covenants. Uh, I'm not going to walk through or teach. I just want to list some of these. Remember the Noahic covenant? Remember he made a promise to Noah that he's... He's never going to wipe off the face of the earth again like he did. Do you remember this promise? That's why we have the rainbow. And that's why we have the rainbow. It actually represents God's promise. And then you have the Abrahamic covenant. And then you have the priestly covenant. Then you have the Davidic covenant that we talk about all the time. And then the Davidic covenant in the Old Testament actually points to the new covenant that talks about it in Jeremiah. So here you have these covenants and God says, I will keep my word. And at the end of verse 10, it says, it is an everlasting covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is and will continue on until the end. And he says in verse 11, I will give the land of Canaan to you as your inherited portion. I don't know, God, you want me to, you want me to walk into this land where there's enemies and the giants? I'm, I'm going to give it to you, he says. And when they were new, when they were few in number, very few indeed. I love that part right, right, right away, by the way. And the temporary residents in Canaan wandering from nation to nation isn't that the truth? How, remember Abraham, he went from the Ur of Chaldeans, then to, he went to Haran, then he went to Canaan, and then somewhere in there he visited Egypt. Like he really did wander. It says he went from kingdom to another. In verse 14, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their behalf. This is a cool picture. Okay, historically, uh, you know, remember he struck down Pharaoh. He struck down Pharaoh with the plagues because he took, uh, he took in Sarah. If you guys remember that, Abraham was like, ah, take her. <laughs> And the Pharaoh's like, why, why are you giving this to me? And then Abimelech, the king of Gerar, he was also rebuked. So, I mean, there's references when we say, remember these times, he's talking about historical things. And then in verse 15, probably one of the coolest verses. He says, don't touch my anointed ones or harm my prophets. You know why I love this? Because God has chosen amongst his chosen ones to represent him here on earth. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you can't touch them. I have a calling on their life. It almost makes me think, you guys, when we, when we taught on Psalm 91, remember this? When Psalm 91, when you, are, when you are focused on the intimacy of the Lord, you're under his shadow, you're in his wings, you're in his presence, you long for this. Remember, that's what Jesus wanted for his people. Man, he says, as he overlooked the city, I wish they would allow me to, to pull them in. And Psalm 91 says, man, as you have this focus, you will not be touched. Psalm 105, 15, you can't touch my anointed ones because I have a plan that God is going to, I'm going to fulfill through them. He says, oh, and you can't even harm them. Verse 16, uh, you begin to see, uh, it's a cool picture here uh, of, it transfers over to the, to the Joseph language. He called down famine against the land and destroyed the entire food supply. And he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, and Joseph was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with shackles and his neck was put in an iron collar. Until then, until the time his prediction came true, the word of the Lord tested him. 
The king sent for him and he released him. The ruler of people set him free. Verse 21, he made a master of his household, ruler over all of his possessions and binding his officials at will and instructing his elders. Then Israel went to Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham, a descendant of Ham. Here you have the youngest son of, of Noah. The descendants actually lived in Egypt. And then it says in verse 24, the Lord made his people very fruitful. He made them more numerous than their foes. Why I like this reference is just earlier, Kevin, were we not just talking about when Abraham, it says this, it says in verse 12, while they were few in number, very few indeed. And now all of a sudden, what are we beginning to see? Scripture says in verse 24, he made them more numerous than their foes. So in a historical period, you have seen God's faithfulness through one man's leap of faith, walking hardly with anybody except the Lord, and he's going hardly with anybody. He doesn't have anything around him. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden now we've gone to Joseph and God's like, look what I'm doing. So to me, Kevin, already in 24 verses, you see God's faithfulness already being fulfilled. Genesis 12, one through three. I will make the descendants of Abraham as many as possible. And so it's kind of like, man, God, you are, you're good. You want to give thanks. You want to call on his name. You want to proclaim his deeds. You want to actually sing. It's a cool picture of God's faithfulness to his people. It says in in closing of this little section, whose hearts, look at this, he made them more numerous than their foes, whose hearts he turned to hate his people and to deal deceptively with his servants. Yeah, this was Israel's experience in Egypt. God says, I got it. I got it. I have this whole thing taken care of and Because of time, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to list this out. Then what you're going to see is, as they talk about making God's uh, deeds known, His works known, it then goes from Moses to Joshua. And you're going to see that in verses 26 through 45. That is obviously the the biggest uh, summarization of what we just did, because there's so much here. But he goes through all the plagues, you guys. He goes through all of the plagues, except, interesting enough, the fifth and the sixth plague. But it goes from Abraham to Joseph and then Moses to Joshua and then Joshua taking them through this process. And you know what I love about all this is? Is that God promises, uh, he promised what he delivered or he delivered what he promised. Let me put it that way. God delivered what he promised. And then who does he do this through? His people. You know, I, I would just say this. I want to just thank the Lord for getting us to 11 years at Time to Revive. How he's carried us, and Rich, let's try this really quick. How he carried us from Dallas to Santa Fe to Sedona. Sedona to Flint. Flint to Asheville. Asheville to Seattle. Seattle to Devil's Lake. Devil's Lake to Richmond. Richmond to Columbia. Columbia to Twin Cities. Twin Cities to... Indiana with Tupelo in there before and after, after Indiana, then it was to Florida, Florida, Florida to Ohio, Ohio, then to Texas, Texas to Wisconsin. And then in all of that, God just shows up in all of these cities because of faithful men and women on the Time Revive team saying, you know what, Uh, I'm going to walk this out in obedience Because he's done it then and he's going to keep doing it again. 
And so all I would just say is let's keep giving thanks. Let's keep calling on his name. Let's keep proclaiming his deeds. And then I'm going to jump all the way to 9 and 10. Is that in verse 4 of Psalm 105, it says, But in this process, please search for the Lord and for his strength. Seek his face always. And then you know what? You'll always see this in your life. You will always see God's faithfulness as long as we continue to focus on the past, but then pursue the future. And yet somewhere in there, you're living in his presence. So I just want to say thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for getting us to this point. I want to see more of you. I want to taste more of you. I want to experience more of you. Why? So that more people can do the same in in their lives. So Father, we praise you and we thank you. You're a faithful God. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow.